0: facts candid conversations and some levity to lighten your day this is the Kale Clark show on relevant radio
1: good Thursday to each and every one of you it's September the 14th 2023 I can't believe we're halfway through September producer Jim we have to play a lot of earth wind and fire in these remaining days before we get to October time is flying by we're getting closer and closer that definitive meeting with our lord and really every day should be a meeting with our lord you're listening to the kale clark show on relevant radio 888-914-9149 big big feast day today it's the feast of the exaltation of the holy cross and it's it's an important thing to think about the cross in our lives every single day as saint jose maria said not a single day without the cross so let's call in right now. If you want to call in and talk to me, it'd, it'd be great to, to to hear your voice. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. You can also find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C A L E Clark with an E. It's good to be back. I, I wasn't here yesterday. I want to thank my good friend Brooke Taylor for sitting in for me yesterday. Appreciate that, Brooke. I was uh, I had some outpatient eye surgery yesterday. Thanks be to God, everything went well. Uh, thanks for your prayers. Uh, uh, please pray for continued healing. I'm glad this isn't a video show because I look like I've gone 12 rounds with the former heavyweight champion of the NHL, great friend of the program, Mr. John Scott. It looks like I've been pummeled by John at will because uh, my, my eye is all bloodshot. It, it looks terrible. There's it's blood everywhere. But, hey, I'm soldiering on, and uh, I'm good. Good. I'm back in the saddle, back in the chair, and it's uh, great to be with you for this big, big feast day. Really important feast day. So let me ask you this question. What are your crosses in life? How do you cope with difficulties? And, and does this feast inspire you in, in some way? I want to ask you to share your experience of the cross and happy feast day to you. Uh, you can again call in 888 uh, 914 Juan Mateos, uh, who is a Jesuit, uh, had this quote about the exaltation of the cross. He said, there is no escape from the cross. You have to stay with the one crucified or stand with the crucifiers. There is no middle way. There is no middle way. I like that quote. There's no escape from the cross. You have to stay with the one crucified or stand with the crucifiers. There is no middle way. And it's true. Ultimately, we can't be half-hearted in our following of Jesus. We're either with him or against him. And we have to pick up our cross every day. We really do. And, and this, by the way, the, the history of this feast day is, is quite amazing. I'm sure you've heard about it. Uh, there's a legend about Emperor Her- Heraclius. Not Hercules, but he tried to be like Hercules. Uh, Heraculus, and, and he was uh, Herac- Heracula- Heraclius. There we go. There we go. There we go. And um, I, I tell you, I'm still on painkillers, so uh, I, I might say a few things wrong tonight. No, I'm only kidding. I'm okay. I'm clear clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, right? we're sharp we're sharp uh, Emperor Heraclius he was trying to get the true cross back to Jerusalem you probably heard this story and we know that of course according to um, many historical it, and it, it how true this is I don't want to get into this really I mean there there's I shouldn't say this but I'm'm gonna, I'm gonna say it you pr- you probably heard this this statement made over the years too. there are, there are, there's there's enough Alleged pieces of the True Cross out there in the world to rebuild Noah's Ark. <sighs> I don't want to say that that all of the tales about the the True Cross and the, and the the alleged fragments that are out there are all not not legitimate. We I I wouldn't want to say that. I have a priest friend who gets really mad when he hears that. He gets really angry because uh, he he is he is all in on this stuff. We do know this for sure. Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. That that is. Even a skeptic like John Dominic Crossan, the ex-Catholic priest who created so many waves years ago, saying that Jesus was never resurrected. He wasn't even buried. He was eaten by wild dogs. His body was unceremoniously thrown down from the cross into a shallow grave, and he never got buried. But he he, he admits he was crucified. He actually said that the fact that Jesus was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be. Well, I've dealt with Dom Crossan on the show before and also on the Faith Explained program, and... We're doing a series called Jesus 101 about Jesus and history and I I took great pains to to explain at the beginning of that series you can hop in anytime on the Relevant Radio app or at 1230 Central live on Relevant Radio for the next installment we we made very very clear that the crucifixion of Jesus was noted by non-Christian even sometimes anti-Christian historians of the times everybody knows Jesus was crucified and this was actually a kind of an embarrassing thing for the early church it was it made evangelization a little bit difficult because we sometimes are a little bit desensitized to, to the cross. And as one writer said, it's a little bit like, you know, people wearing uh, crucifixes around their necks. And I'm not saying don't do that, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, wearing cross pendants, it's a little bit like wearing a pendant of an electric chair in, in the modern day and age. This was an instrument of torture, this was an instrument of death. And it was, it was an uphill battle trying to convince people in the Roman Empire, especially Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, hey, you, you've got you've to entrust your life to this guy who was crucified as a common criminal. A, a ignominious death, I mean, they had to invent a new word for it. Excruciating, which means out of the cross. They wouldn't even do it to Roman citizens. That's why St. Paul was beheaded as opposed to crucified. Peter was a Galilean, they didn't care about him, he wasn't a Roman citizen, so he was crucified upside down, according to tradition, at his own request. So, why should you entrust your entire life and existence to this Jesus? Well, the resurrection is a big reason why. But, but the cross was, was a hard thing to explain. It was a hard thing to explain away. And, of course, Constantine, Emperor Constantine, his mother is St. Helena, Uh, traveled to the Holy Land. It is said that she came back with the true cross. But you might know this, that in the year 615 AD, a king from Persia stole the relic of the true cross. He probably wasn't wearing a WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? Oh, he'd steal it. You know, No. So anyways, he he took it, whether it was sort of booty, the spoils of war, I, I don't know what he was thinking. But at any rate, it was with the Persians for about 14 years. And that's when Emperor Heraclius heroically uh, defeated the armies of Persia, and he wanted to bring back the the Holy Cross into Jerusalem with great pomp and circumstance. And so as he was doing so, he wanted to go in on horseback through the same gate of the city that Jesus used when he was walking um, towards his crucifixion outside the city. So he's on his horse, he's got his robes on, all his regalia, And there's something called the Golden Legend. Maybe you've heard of this. It it recorded what happened next. And I quote, Suddenly the stones of the gateway fell down and locked together, forming an unbroken wall. To the amazement of everyone, an angel of the Lord, carrying a cross in his hands, appeared above the wall and said, When the king of heaven passed through this gate to suffer death, there was no royal pomp. He rode a a lowly donkey to leave an example of humility to his worshippers. And then the angel vanished, and Heraclius was stopped in his tracks. Literally, he started crying, weeping, got off his high horse, took off his robes, his regalia, except for his simple undergarment. And uh, we, we can, we're thankful for that. I'm sure the onlookers were too. And then he he was able to, in humility, walk with the cross towards the gate, and 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 this is this is. According to the golden legend, he he started to exclaim this prayer, O cross, more splendid than all the heavenly bodies, renowned throughout the world, deserving of all men's love, holier than every other thing. O cross, you were worthy to carry the ransom of the world. O sweet wood, sweet nails, sweet sword, sweet lance. You were the bearer of sweet burdens. Save the host gathered today in praise of you and signed with your banner. Okay, so... How historically legitimate is that story? I'm not, I'm not sure, but we do know with us, uh, there's nothing more historically certain than the crucifixion of Christ. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. I'm really excited about a guest I'm going to have next week on the program. Rabbi Jason Sobel. He's a rabbi who's intimately familiar with Jewish tradition the Old Testament background, but he has come to accept Jesus as the Messiah. I, I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. He's a New York Times best-selling author, and, and he has written about something really, and I, I really never made the connection until I, I read it in, in his book, um, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. This isn't intri- Remember a few days ago on the program, we talked about the feast day of saints Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And they were really no pun intended. Crucial in uh, the death, the burial of Jesus, uh, they were able to obtain the body. Obviously, Joseph of Arimathea uh, very boldly uh, goes to Pilate, asks for the body, um, and, and he and Nicodemus give Jesus a proper burial. But one one thing that's interesting is that when when back at the beginning of John's Gospel, when and we talked about it as, as sort of Nick at Night, with apologies to Nickelodeon. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he's asking him a whole lot of questions about about what Rabbi Jesus is really teaching here and, and maybe he doesn't want anybody to know about it he's, he's under cover of darkness but one of the things that Jesus said to Nicodemus and, and how this connects with the crucifixion is not talked about enough Jesus says that no one has gone up into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And that's in John chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. So why is Jesus comparing himself to a serpent? And that's why I called this episode Snakes and Ladders to Heaven. Because in many ways, that's, that's really what the exaltation of the Holy Cross is all about. Usually we think about the devil, the Satan, as as the serpent. Of course, the, the Hebrew word is nahash. You know, we think about and Scott Hahn says, hey, this isn't a garden variety garden snake here. This, this is a great dragon, the same dragon that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. We see these paintings of the Garden of Eden and, and our first parents being tempted, and there's this little snake, harmless-looking snake, snake wrapped around the tree, saying, eat the fruit. Well, it's maybe a little bit more terrifying than that. But the the idea of Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, what's that all about? Well, clearly Jesus is much, much greater than Moses, but this is all about Numbers chapter 21. And and this is, again, the the Israelites are going through the desert. They're wandering aimlessly at times towards the promised land, disobedient, disgruntled. And they're traveling, it says, in Numbers chapter 21, you can look at verses 4 through 9. You don't have to look it up right now. I'll read it to you. But it says that they traveled from Mount Horeb along the route to the Red Sea in order to go around the land of Edom. The spirit of the people became impatient along the way. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? Because there is no bread, no water, and our very spirits detest the despicable food. What's the food they were complaining about? The manna. The manna. It's kind of interesting because the manna, of course, this miracle bread that God fed the people with, points forward to the Eucharist. And it's Thursday. It's the day that uh, Jesus instituted the Eucharist, of course, the Last Supper, the First Mass. So it's a good, good time to think about this. But they're complaining. They're complaining. And the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. So the people go to Moses and say, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord, and you pray to the Lord for us, that he may take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make yourself a fiery snake and put it on a pole. Whenever anyone who has been bitten will look at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole, and it happened. That whenever a snake bit anyone, and he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. So, the person would be, and it took faith to to. I mean, they might have been tempted to say, "How is this going to do anything?" I mean, it's, I have to look at this bronze image of a snake on a pole. That's not going to make me better. I, I need, I need the antidote. I need uh, some sort of uh, antibiotics, if you will. But no, this this is God would heal them when they looked in faith upon that snake lifted up. So, this is interesting. This is super interesting because when Moses lifted up the serpent, the the Hebrew word that's there is nasa, nasa. And it means lifting up. It can also mean to carry or to bear. Think about carrying the cross. It, It can also mean to forgive. It's one of these words with multiple meanings. So, when Jesus says the Son of Man must be lifted up, it's He's kind of referencing this word, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. Guess what? The Son of Man must be lifted up because He's got to bear the sins of the world. He's got to carry our guilt. And so, another time this word comes up in the Old Testament, by the way, is with the scapegoat. You probably heard of the scapegoat. Now we, it's kind of become a metaphor in the culture, an own goal. <laughs> You know, somebody you know, just botches, you know, an athletic match. You're the scapegoat. And that, of course, was an actual goat that was offered in the temple on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, to make atonement for the people so that the goat would carry the sins of the people and they'd sort of send the goat outside the city into the wilderness to die. The goat will carry all their iniquities by itself, into a solitary land, and he is to leave the goat in the wilderness. Leviticus sixteen twenty two. Well, when it says the goat will carry, it's that same word, NASA. It'll carry. We think of NASA here in, in North America. What are we thinking about? We're thinking about the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, right? And I remember how shocked I was when an actual astronaut called into the Kale Clark show. That's that's one of the most memorable moments so far, uh, certainly in this show's history. I was talking about Harrison Schmidt, the, 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 the last person to walk on the surface of the moon. And I was mentioning him in light of recent news that, that had come out. He was quoted in the New York Times saying, yes, something like, yeah, we should definitely revive the moon missions and get, get this going again. So I'm talking about this guy, and he actually calls into the program. It was unbelievable. So he knew all about NASA. And, but it's interesting to, to mention NASA because we think about a spacecraft, a, a space shuttle lifting off going up, up, and away into space. NASA, to, to, to be lifted up, to be lifted up, to, to go into the heavens. And this is what it's all about. This is how we can get to heaven. It's through the cross. It's through the cross being lifted up. It kind of becomes this ladder, like Jacob's ladder, reaching up to the heavens. And so this is, this is really, really wild stuff. So this idea of, of being lifted up and going back down, this is, this, is, this is really wild. So, so Rabbi Jason said this. He said, why in the world would this, this ever have to happen? Why is he talking about this with Nicodemus? If you think about our first parents, Adam and Eve, they essentially stole from the tree. They essentially, they, they took from the tree in the Garden of Eden, and it was, in a sense, it was like stealing from God. And so when they, they pull the fruit down, they, they take it out. It's like a descent. There's a lowering." And that lowered us into the into the original sin so we're affected now spiritually intellectually if you will morally emotionally relationally every single level of our being was affected by by this move and it kind of dragged all of creation down so because of this descent The Son of Man, he needed to descend from the heavens. And then he had to be lifted back up again. NASA, he had to be lifted up onto the wood of the cross. And then he has to ascend back up into heaven as well. And that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, No one, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. So this is wild stuff. This is absolutely wild stuff. But but here here's the the other thing about about the serpent. This is really interesting. When you think about Moses, when you think about Moses in in the book of Exodus, when God called him, and I talked about this on the on the on the Exodus series on the Faith Explained. Moses really didn't want to do this. Moses really did not want to go to Pharaoh and say let my people go. So the burning bush happens in Exodus chapter 3, the Lord appears and Moses says at the beginning of chapter 4 of Exodus, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. They're, they're going to say, the Lord didn't appear to you. What are you talking about? And so the Lord says to Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, you know, a staff. It's my staff. And he says, cast it on the ground. So he throws it down on the ground. It becomes a serpent. A serpent. And then Moses runs away from it. He's like, zoinks. <laughs> Get me out of here. But, but the Lord says to Moses, put out your hand and take it by the tail. So he grabs it. And then it once again becomes a staff in his hand he says do this so that they may believe that the lord the god of their fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob has appeared to you so he gives him a couple other signs as well but then eventually chapter seven moses and aaron go into pharaoh's court and pharaoh's like i'm not going to listen to you and then he he does he does the thing he he takes his staff casts it down on the ground becomes a snake And then Pharaoh's like, yeah, my magicians can do that too. So he says, guys, go for it. And then all the Egyptian magicians, they throw their staffs down on the ground, and they become snakes too. But here's the thing. The the staff of Moses and Aaron, it eats, that snake eats all the other snakes. So this is, it's kind of like Pac-Man for snakes, I guess. And and so, wow, that's a sign. That's an absolute sign. And, And if you think about it that way, the idea of the serpent that makes a lot of sense when it comes to this bronze serpent being lifted up and how why does Jesus love that image? Because this is exactly what I'm doing to the devil, he's saying. The devil's the ancient serpent, the Nahash, the great dragon. Well, I am going to absolutely annihilate the enemy. You know, he's still gonna stick around, he's still gonna pester you. But what does Isaiah twenty five verse eight say? He will swallow up death forever. St. Paul said this, death is swallowed up in victory. He was talking about the resurrection of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So just as Moses' serpent ate all the other ones, well, guess what? Jesus is going to destroy the Satan. And he's going to enable us to be lifted up, if you will. So that's kind of an interesting image that Jesus used for the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And it's not something that's often talked about, but I think it's pretty, pretty wild stuff. Pretty wild and wacky and enticing and and hopefully inspiring stuff. So I want to hear from you. What? How do we live out the cross each day in our lives? Because it's tough at times, and we're often not asked to do spectacular things. We spend a lot of time thinking about, man, would I have the the grace to be to endure crucifixion in the public square or something something really dramatic? But more often, when God sends us the cross, it's it's kind of the splinters of the cross, and it's something that we have to deal with in our family lives, in the in the workplace. That it's kind of a pinprick, and it's it's the thing that somebody said to us. We've ah uh, that didn't feel so good, or maybe we're reprimanded, or maybe it's the end of a relationship. Or your your girlfriend breaks up with you, or whatever the case may be. There, there are always these things going on. The cross is always there every day, and, and how we react to it. Is is really crucial. You're listening to the Kale Clark show on Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Well, while I was out, I've only been uh, I've only been out of the show for for twenty four hours, but a lot can happen in the world in twenty four hours, and I've missed some big stuff. Alien mummies. I don't don't know. That's necessarily legit. Have you seen these things? They kind of look like kind of look suspiciously like ET. ET phone home. You know, just the way their heads like. I don't know if that's legit. There's a bunch of other legit stuff that I do want to talk about on the other side of the break, 888 9149 Be right back.
0: Faith, facts, and fun—it's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Do you remember Here we go. Producer Jim came through. A little Earth, Wind, and Fire for you. And this show is straight fire. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So glad you're with me on this September day. September the 14th, Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Hey, I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do, but just in case you don't, I should tell you that Relevant Radio has a fantastic new audio series for you and your family. It's called The Saints, Adventures in Faith and Courage. It's the first of its kind. It's got a daily telling of a saint story, Following God, Changing History. This is really good stuff, because it also comes with activities for your kids. It's all free, and you can get it by signing up at thesaintspodcast.com. Thesaintspodcast.com. And that that word, the, or the, is incredibly important. Otherwise, it'll probably take you to a podcast about the New Orleans Saints, which might be worth listening listening to as well. You know, is Derek Carr going to be able to rebound? I don't know. We'll find out. But... TheSaintsPodcast.com is absolutely where you want to go. TheSaintsPodcast.com So check it out. And if you go to the Relevant Radio app, there's a big banner up top about the Saints series by the Mary Beggars at Relevant Radio. And uh, stay tuned, by the way, uh, in the future on the show, uh, my good friend Peter Atkinson, the director of the Merry Beggars, is going to be joining me to talk more about this. It's always exciting, always fun to have Peter in the house. Okay, so... One of the things that that happened uh, this week, uh, just a couple days ago, the new biography of Elon Musk dropped by Walter Isaacson. Uh, The same guy who did biographies of Ben Franklin, Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs. I mean, he's big time. I can't wait to, everyone's reading this. I I can't wait to get a hold of it. It's just absolutely um, intriguing stuff. I'm really intrigued by Musk. Um, He's obviously somebody that people are talking about all the time. There, there was an excerpt. I don't know if you saw the excerpt that appeared. Uh, I've got it for you. Just a little clip from the book, which I found absolutely. I found it disturbing. I found it wild. I found it um, arresting. It, it, really does help to inform some of the things that drove Elon Musk. What happened to him when he was a kid? So uh, Walter Isaacson was on uh, CBS Sunday Morning. He was talking about about the book and. Uh, on September the 10th, just this past weekend, and then there was a there was a corresponding little excerpt that, that came out about. Um, I, I can't even I can't even believe this happened, but let me just read this to you just a little bit. Let me only quote Walter Isaacson here. Quote: As a kid growing up in South Africa, Elon Musk knew pain and learned how to survive it. When he was 12 years old, he was taken by bus to a wilderness survival camp known as a Veld School. As a veld school, so this is probably a Dutch word. Uh, South Africa, of course. And Elon Musk said, quote, It was a paramilitary lord of the flies. End of quote. This sounds kind of ominous. The kids were each given small rations of water and food, and they were allowed, indeed encouraged, to fight over them. Uh, Elon's younger brother, Kimball, says, Bullying was considered a virtue the big kids quickly learned to punch the little ones in the face and take their stuff. Elon, who was small and emotionally awkward, got beaten up twice and he would end up losing 10 pounds. Near the end of the first week, the boys were divided into two groups and told to attack each other. Musk recalls, quote, it was so insane, so mind-blowing, end of quote. In every few years, one of the kids would die. The counselors would recount such stories as warnings. Don't be stupid, Like that dumb kid who died last year, they would say. Don't be the weak, dumb kid, end of quote. The second time Elon went to Veld School, he was about to turn 16. He had gotten much bigger, bursting up to six feet tall with a bear-like frame, and he had learned some judo. So Veld School wasn't so bad. He said, quote, I realized by then that if someone bullied me, I could punch them very hard in the nose, and then they wouldn't bully me again they might beat the crap out of me, but if I had punched them hard enough in the nose, they wouldn't come after me again, end of quote. So, I sort of the Mike Tyson school of thought, Mike Tyson once famously said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. Well, Elon certainly took that to heart. Uh, just a little bit more here. This, this is just shocking stuff. South Africa in the 1980s was a violent place, with machine gun attacks, knife killings common. Once, when Elon and Kimball got off a train on their way to an anti-apartheid music concert, they had to wade through a pool of blood, next to a dead person with a knife still sticking out of his brain. For the rest of the evening, the blood on the soles of their sneakers made a sticky sound against the pavement. Yes, uh, it it, it's This is this is pretty dark and, and and chilling stuff. But he he was beaten severely at school. Um, his father was not exactly empathetic about this. By the way, um. He a lot of this this excerpt from the book details the the, the troubles that he had with his with his own dad, um, Errol Musk. And uh, Walter Isaacson describes his dad as an engineer, rogue, charismatic, a fantasist. To this day, he bedevils Elon. And wh- one time, e- Elon was badly beaten up in, in a fight at school, and he and his dad actually sided with the kid uh, who had pummeled Elon. And, and he, anyways. Uh, I think the, the, the poor relationship he had with his dad certainly um, helped to, to make him into who he is. And uh, this is really, really, really not good. His dad thinks he, this all this help make Elon tougher physically, emotionally. He said that violence was just part of the learning experience in South Africa. Um, his dad told uh, Walter Isaacson, quote, two people held you down while another pummeled your face with a log and so on. New boys had to fight fight the school thug on their first day at a new school. And he's kind of thinking this is a good thing. Um, I, I just think this is a, this is a pretty uh, insane portrait of what what life is like growing up as a child in, in parts of South Africa. And I, we have some friends, by the way, Patricia and I have some close friends who are from South Africa, and they, they've sort of seconded this, the, the amount of violence that can take place in certain quarters. And I think in some ways... Uh, Isaacson says it's given Elon Musk a bit of PTSD, or maybe a lot of PTSD, and so there's always there's always good that can come out of experiences, no matter how bad they are. God can always bring good out of it, just just as with the cross, the worst thing that ever happened, people killed God. From this springs our salvation, and uh, one of the things that's one of the, I guess benefits that, that Musk has drawn from this these unfortunate experiences is that he has an incredibly high pain threshold. He can get through a lot of stuff, a lot of adversity. Uh, in 2008, um, his companies were in really, really big trouble. Tesla was teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. The first three launches of the SpaceX rockets all exploded. And at the time, uh, Musk's second wife, who be, the woman who became his second wife, um, he would just wake up in the middle of the night. She says thrashing, and he would talk about things that his dad had once said to him. And obviously, this stuff still affected him decades and, and decades later. So, um, a- anyways, I, I just I can't wait to read this this book by Walter Isaacson. But just just thinking about this now, I'm not advocating the kids go to veld school or anything like that. But but there's no question that that this was a tough experience and. You know, sitting around talking about this with a, with a friend, my, my friend asked the question, you know, in light of this, I almost wonder sometimes whether we're too soft on kids in North America. I don't know what you think about this, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. but again, I don't think this Veld School thing is a, is a good idea, but in a lot of other places, there are very high expectations put on kids. Should we be expecting a little bit more from our kids? And... These days, with all the participation medals, and in no no one no one loses anything. No no one no one really wins anything. Are we sacrificing mental health in a certain way to try to build? You know, are we sacrificing fortitude and perseverance essentially by trying to um, be a bit too soft? I, I don't know what you guys think about this. It's just a just a stray thought. Just a stray thought in light of this. And again, I'm not I'm not advocating the, the Lord of the Flies type. Um, events at schools or, any, or anything like that, but um, it's clear that that the expectations that were put on Musk did push him to to different levels, and I mean he he's he's just he's on another level. There's no question about that. So anyways, anyways, curious to hear what you think about that as well. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. But it's also the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross, and I asked you guys about the cross in your lives. How do you deal with it? Let's go to Dolores in Visalia, California. Hi, Dolores.
2: Be I'm going to be live on break. Hi.
1: Hello? You're, hi, you're on the air, Dolores.
2: Hi, I'm calling because um, my mom was a very adamant Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was a part of the... I don't even know if it's a proper proper term, like, exos, you know, part of the the diocese, you know, very hardcore so she gave me tough love. She kicked me out. I ended up mm. homeless, uh, around homeless people. But I always knew I was consecrated. I'm trying not to cry. Mm. And I came around so many homeless people. You know, they used to try to have me to smoke drugs, and, and they would throw my handbags because it's like, oh, you're too good for that. I just, I don't want it. I couldn't say I'm better than that. Or, you know, there were some times that uh, people would bring me blankets, but I always knew where I came from. Hmm. And I, I never, I mean, there was even prostitutes. Back then, it was Anaheim. There, there was a serial killer back then in Anaheim. And, you know, I, I, I was in the midst of but So you're talking about fortitude, like top love. Well, I went through it. I went through it hard. And I'm sorry. I'm crying. It still hurts me, but it's still part of my healing
1: process. But yeah. I always turn it over to God. Uh, Dolores, I, I'm so sorry that, that those things happened to you, and and um, and I love the fact that you said that you you always, no matter what experiences you're going through out in the streets, you always knew your worth, and somehow your faith was able to to inform that in you, and 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 that is true. That everybody. We can never forget that, that every single person that, that we meet, no matter who they are, where they are, where they're from, is worth every last drop of the blood of Christ. And that's what the cross is all about. If you were the only person on planet Earth, <laughs> he would have still gone to the cross for you. And and this is what we have to, to own. We have to own this. We have to make it our own. We have to not just pay lip service to it, but we somehow have to really believe this in our core and that that's what saint paul said uh, in one of his writings he, he talked about how the son of god loved me and gave himself for me I, he really made it personal yeah he died for the whole world and we know this but but he also died for us individually and he loves us so much and that, that is just so transformative to to understand that so god bless you dolores thank thank you for calling in well i promise i'll pray for you and uh Please uh, keep us in your prayers as well here at Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Eric in Farmersville, Texas, in North Texas. Hi Eric, how you doing?
3: Doing well, Kale. How about yourself?
1: Good, I'm good, thanks.
3: So I just had a comment on, you know, you were previously talking, I think it was a, a rabbi's notebook.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the I know Fulton Sheen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fulton Sheen also commented on the same topic about the, the brazen serpent on the rod. Um, what, he, what did he say? His, uh, so his point was that, you know, the Christ looked like a criminal up on the cross, you know, crucified between two thieves, dying a criminal's death. The serpent also looked like the very same plague um, that was um, hurting the Israelites at the same time. But it had no venom in it. And neither did Christ have any sin in Him. It's kind mm-hmm. of that interesting yeah. parallel of juxtaposition, you know, looking like that's a terrible a great thing, analogy. but having the healing within it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that that that's that fantastic. It. Yeah, Eric, that's a great. Thanks for sharing that. That that's a gr- great bit of preaching by a master preacher, of course, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. That's great. That's right, because the the serpent that Moses lifted up did not have the venom. Look like a snake but it it didn't have that that bite obviously and it uh, was really for healing in the same way Christ on the cross looks like a common criminal to the human eye this doesn't make any sense again why should i trust this guy with my life that's what uh, you know roman citizens were probably thinking as the gospel is being spread is not just is not this just a common criminal and in fact there's a there's something that i'm going to talk about this uh, eventually in the jesus 101 series The Palatine Graffito. This is interesting. So in a military barracks in Rome in the early centuries of the church, uh, they found this graffiti. Yeah, people do graffiti today, you know, in bathroom stalls everywhere. They did it in the first century, too. They've always done it. They've always done it. So they found a bit of graffiti in this Roman barracks for soldiers. And they were basically, some of the soldiers were making fun of this guy named Alex, who had become a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. And so it was. It was a mocking of Christ on the cross. It was a guy with the head of a horse on the cross, and, and then this soldier is sort of uh, kneeling before the cross. And and the, and the caption, the tagline was "Alex worships his God." And this is obviously a mockery uh, of Christ and the crucifixion. But again, it, it it from a human perspective, like these non-Christian soldiers had, this just doesn't make any sense. It does take the eyes of faith to to see what's really going on here, and. uh and so, yeah, that, that's a great analogy by Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Thank you very much for that call, Eric in Texas. A lot of great listeners in Texas. A lot of great, powerful, relevant radio stations in Texas. In fact, uh, tomorrow on the Faith Explained, I'm going to have an interesting Q and A question from from Dallas, uh, Faith Explained listener in Dallas. So, okay, let's go back to the phones right now. Let's go to Catherine on line one in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Hi, Catherine. Hello. How are you today? Doing Good, doing good. Thanks for calling in. Good, good, good
4: to hear. Uh, I'm just, uh, I, I just love your show, it's very, very good. Um, I just wanted to say this, uh, that, that I heard something, or maybe even on relevant radio, probably because I listen to it a lot. And, uh, you know, kids today or young people, they want it, their their goal is to be famous and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in movies or whatever, you know that is like you know the thing on their mind. And yeah. what I'm thinking, you know, you know that I've lived on this earth pretty long, you know, sixty years. Uh, <laughs> exactly, no, <laughs> no more, no less. Hey, but you anyway,
1: still, you uh, still got uh, a lot of road ahead you know, here. I always say, never forget oh, Moses. Yeah. Moses never did anything till he was eighty. So. That's what it like, really yeah. really got well,
4: going. I can't so. wait till I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the thing is that you know people will be- people will believe absolutely anything. You know, young or older. You know, there's discernment that needs to be involved. But my mm-hmm. my thought is that um, you know to know in your heart and to actually believe and and know that you're speaking to the person that created everything in, that we see, here, touch, don't touch, I mean, you know, absolutely, you know, the, the magnificence, you know, I mean, it's just you can't even use words, and to think that he's listening to things that I say, or things that I think, or things that are in my heart, it's its its too overwhelming, you know.
1: It's, it's, it's almost touching. too good to be true, Catherine, yeah, it almost seems like it's too good to be true, but it is true, it is absolutely true, and Catherine, thank you so much for your kind words, and and uh, please pray for us. And, and yeah, I think when it comes to these, these celebrities, one of the things, that, one of the advantages that they have over us is that they know that these things don't satisfy because they've lived through it. How many celebrities are in rehab? How many have hit rock bottom, no matter how much cash they have in the bank? And, and they eventually, uh, unfortunately, very often it's either suicide or they find God. And, and that's, that sounds harsh and stark, but that, that's often the reality. They know very, very well those words of St. Augustine. Maybe the most famous words outside the Bible. Even if they don't read Saint Augustine, they know that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and nothing will satisfy us except for God Himself and uh, the Creator. We we can't fill ourselves with with created things. We're made for the infinite, and um, our hearts are restless until they rest in God, as Saint Augustine said. So uh, we got to take a speaking of rest. We got to take just a quick pause right now on the Kale Clark Show. The pause that refreshes. We'll be right back with your calls after this. Brief Message, 888-914-9149. It's The Kale Clark Show, only on Relevant Radio.
0: This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life.
1: Welcome back to the program. Producer Jim, doesn't that sound like it should be like intro music for NHL 94 or something? Like <laughs> it's good stuff, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Call in right now. 888-914-9149. It's number to call to talk to me for free. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to John in Encinitas, California. Hey, John.
2: Hello, uh, Drew. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, uh, not Drew, but... Uh,
1: sorry to disappoint, but... Uh, That's okay. Keep going. Keep going. I said I'm not Drew. uh, Oh,
2: yeah, um, that's right.
1: (laughs) Dale
2: Clark. (laughs) Yeah, there you
1: go. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, there you go. Sorry to disappoint. I'm the rapper. When
2: you um, asked me how I was, I told you I've been better and I've been worse. I've been a blessing. I've been a curse. But anyway, 52 years ago, I went to the University of San Diego, Mm -hmm. and the Founders Chapel, which is like a replica of the 15th century. Um, they would wheel in a nun from France. Her name was uh, Sister Mamère. She was in her Mm. 90s, and she would be saying the rosary, and one day she tugged on me when I was 20 years old, pointed up at the cross and said, you know, whenever I'm troubled, I just look up at the cross, and I know that everything is okay.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful. Thank thank you, John. Yeah, I do remember you, John, and you're your your compelling raps, I, I appreciate that, and it's true that the the cross is a catechism unto itself, the crucifix, and we we can learn a lot from uh, from meditating on it, from contemplating it, and um, more than in almost any theology textbook that we could possibly think of, and even Aquinas would would agree with that. Who wrote so much good stuff himself? Let's go. Let's go to line five. Let's go to Mary in L.A. Hi, Mary.
0: Hi there. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you know much about Elon Musk. He has a parcel of children does, all yeah. created by IVF. And until, oh, really? just there may be now one girl. All of the others are boys. And okay. that's a really interesting choice because, you know, when you do IVF, you choose the sex of your child. And they I wasn't have aware chosen. They I have chosen av- boys. That's
1: interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah they, I, and I, I, there.
0: I think there were twins initially, and then triplets. And I know this. Okay. I work in a private school in LA, and mm-hmm. we were contacted. So the head of school went over to see Elon about the kids, and the three boys, the triplets, were all um, in need of. Um, um a special school for um emotionally challenged kids so we didn't mm. take you know we were the wrong wasn't a good fit but it's an interesting wow. thing because it you know at the time no one knew anything about the relationship he had had with his own father but yeah. you know here he is i think he's got what ten, eleven kids and yeah. um
1: I, yeah, I, Mary, I wasn't aware of the whole IVF thing. Uh, no, I do. I did know that he had he had a number of children um, through different women, and he, he certainly. I mean, where he's at spiritually, he, I know he's at least thought about the God question, the Jesus question. There's a. I talked about this on the show some time ago. Uh, he was uh, on on the Babylon Bee podcast, and he was kind of you know, backed into a corner by the host, and they they basically asked him, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And he, I think he was very diplomatic and nice to these guys, but um, I thought they kind of backed him into a corner there. I I don't know if he's had any further thoughts on on that issue, but um, he certainly is pro-life in the sense that he he wants there to be a lot of children and more children in the world, and he's he's done his part there for sure. Having said that, uh, in terms of the sanctity of marriage... um, morality with respect to pr- reproduction obviously IVF is a huge problem uh, I wasn't aware of that and and maybe that'll be in the book um and in terms of the whole I mean it's sad to hear if, if his children have emotional needs that, that aren't being met and they're, they're suffering in that way uh, if that is indeed the case um and, and, and Isaacson talks about this even in the excerpt of, of the book that I read sort of the, one of the oldest tropes in mythology is that the son becomes the father and um it seems that if Elon is still obviously, and his brother Kimball as well, haunted in some way by, uh, the specter of, of his father's treatment, Errol, of, of the boys and, and everything that they went through. So I'm going to have to get hold of this book. I'm going to have to read it. Everybody's reading. It. Everybody's talking about it now. And, uh, I'm a little, a little, uh, behind the eight ball. Just, I just had this eye surgery, but now I can read stuff again. So I'm going to, I'm going to definitely, uh, pick that up and, and thank you, Mary for, for calling in. And, uh, certainly need to pray for him I mean everybody is is important in the eyes of God and if he were somehow to get to a point where he's ready to invest in he's like I, I I'm I'm buying the arguments for Jesus I I, I I believe that there is something here and the Catholic Church as well imagine 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 Elon Musk becomes a pr- that would make the, the faith more true or <laughs> because he believes it but but it, it, would, it would get a lot of other people thinking. And that, that's one of the things that he's got, because he's got a lot of influence. There's no question about it. People pay attention to what he says and what he thinks. And um, Elon, check out my Jesus 101 series on the faith. Explo- <laughs> he's probably got stuff to do. But just in case, just in case, I know he doesn't sleep too much. You can check it out late at night on the podcast on the relevant radio app. How about that? How about that? So, wow, what a what a lot of uh, things to talk about here. Let's let's go to line one here. Let's go to Steve in Warrenville, Illinois. Hey, Steve.
3: Hey, guys, how are you uh, this afternoon?
1: Doing well, doing well.
3: Awesome. Hey, you know, I went to Catholic grade school, actually, in Southern Indiana. I actually went to the same grade school that Mike Pence did. He was about three years younger. No kidding. But we had nuns that were very strict with us and tough with us, but mm. they... they lets you know that they had your back and they cared about you and it, they just created great young human beings, but they were tough. In first grade, they had a, a row that was called rockhead row. Uh-oh. And if you get the worst scores of the test, the, the nun puts you in the first row and it's called rockhead row. Oh man. And somehow we, somehow we survived that emotionally. But <laughs> then I went to, bro, then I went to brother ice high school in Detroit, which is there's one in Chicago and one here in Detroit. But mm-hmm. uh, the brothers were the same way. I had, um, I lost my mom, when I was 14 to suicide, I came oh, back from I'm basketball sorry. practice and she had killed herself in the garage. Oh. But at that point in time, I talked to Christ and I said, dude, um, I've been thinking great things about you my wow. whole life, especially in, um, of the little parables and the, in our Bible books, you know, I thought Christ is just one cool dude. So I talked to him at that point in time. And I have to tell you guys, I'm 69 years old. Now the spirit came into my life. The brothers at the Brother Rice High School uh, supported me and carried me through and um, it was just an amazingly positive I, my life has been great since I just gave it up I really gave it up to the Lord when I was 14. Oh
1: man that's that such a powerful testimony and I, I'm Lord have mercy uh, pray for the repose of the soul uh, of your mom That what a terrible thing to have to go through but it seems like you've you've been able to, to persevere and, and maybe those Those lessons from those nuns obviously helped you a lot, and that gave your life to Christ. And we all have to do that. Thanks for joining me on the Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. God bless.
2: Thank you for listening to my daddy.